She's a Super Geek is a proud member of the Misdirected Mark Network. She's a Super Geek is brought to you by our patrons. Today we're giving a shout out to Amber Marie and of course Ariel Vice. Y'all rock. Thanks. He's a Listening to episode 110 of She's a Super Geek, the actual play RPG podcast highlighting women as GMs. Hey y'all, it's Andy, and on today's episode, my co-host Senda and I are joined by two wonderful people, Catherine Raman and River Williamson, to play Red Carnations on a Black Grave. Now this is a historical game, but don't worry, there's plenty of drama and relationships for people who don't like history if people like that exist out there. We do have a few content warnings. War, violence, and character death. Character death is not a spoiler, because in Red Carnations on a Black Grave, you actually go into the game knowing that half of your PCs will die, because you play at least two PCs. Red Carnations is a game that is set in 1871. For just over two months in 1871, the Paris Commune tried to make an egalitarian socialist state a reality, despite disagreement within their walls and attacks from outside of it. This is the story of several communards, their messy personal lives, and their attempts to create a utopia in the face of impending death. How far would you go for what you believe in? Would you stand firm, even if it means your death? Catherine Rahman is GMing this game and she also wrote it. Red Carnation starts its Kickstarter on June 18th. So mark your calendars because you're going to want this freeform game in the back of your pocket. Hi, everybody. Welcome to She's a Super Geek. I am so excited today to be having some awesome guests on to run a game that I've been excited about for a couple of years now since breakout, what, 2018, 2017? I actually don't remember the first... 2018. Yeah, 2018. (laughs) 2018. Okay, so it's been about a year. I couldn't remember when I first played this game, but I've been uh, really excited about it ever since I did. So we have a couple of awesome people on today. We've got River and we've got Kat, and I'm going to have them introduce themselves first. And of course, my co-host, Andy. Hello. I'm very excited for us history buffs to play a very (laughs) history-centered RPG. It pairs my love of improv and rules and history. Good. That was strangely stilted. <laughs> okay. It's good, good solid nerd shit. <laughs> it is good solid nerd shit. Okay. Well, awesome. Everybody knows Andy, hopefully, because you've been listening to us before, hopefully. So, River, tell us what awesome things you are doing and where people can find you on the internet. So, hey, I'm River Williamson. I am at Pixelated Coyote on Twitter. I post a lot about. social justice and hot takes and things like that and reminding people that you know trans people exist and we are who we say we are so yeah i'm also a member at large at the gauntlet i am a role-playing gamer occasional writer i met kat at one of the double exposure events and i don't know i I think she's a really <laughs> awesome human, and I love the games that she makes because it means I don't have to read uh, nonfiction books. I can sort of dip into a culture and place and time without having to really, like, make my poor 
chronologically and uh, let her adult brain handle it. <laughs> that's fair. That's, yeah, that's amazing. Oh my goodness, that's that. That's right. I've only I've only played with you in games that are that are historical <laughs> games on my end. <laughs> Isn't that true? Wow. River is fantastic. We've been excited to have her on, and this was Aww. a really good opportunity. I'm super thrilled. Anyway. So uh, this game is, of course, uh, Red Carnations on a Black Grave, and it is by Catherine Raman, who has been kind enough to join us today to run it. Yay! Um, so I'm going to go ahead and just hand the floor over to you, Kat, but if you want to give us a quick spiel on where people can find you, a little bit of information about the Kickstarter, whatever you know now, because I know that you're still setting a little bit of stuff up as we're recording this, because it's going to be like soon, but it's not today. And, uh, and of course, we'll put links and stuff uh, in our show notes so people can find it. But yeah, if you just want to kind of give us a quick rundown on where to find you on the internet and, uh, and the, that, all that pertinent information, and then you can run us right up into the game. No problem. Uh, my name is Kat Raman, or Catherine Raman, either one. And I currently uh, post on Twitter occasionally, but when I do, they're extremely long and involve threads <laughs> at Aviatrix Games. And uh, that is also my website where you can find out some very minimal information, but <laughs> some information. And this is Red Carnations on a Black Grave. It is a storytelling game about the Paris Commune, uh, the last great 19th century revolution in France, and uh, one that did not end well for most of the people involved. <laughs> but we're going to get to that. And uh, as far as uh, the details on this, we will be kickstarting this on, oh my goodness, June 18th, 2019. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm. I am excited. That that's what it's called when when you are trembling in fear constantly. <laughs> that that is a symptom of of uh, of terrible fear. It's nervous energy. It's good stuff. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It's. I, I'm gonna take your word for that, Riv. Um, uh huh. So uh, it's good to a point. <laughs> yeah. So I guess you want me to talk about my game, huh? Yes. Yeah, or okay, or cool. you can inter just give us the spiel on the game. Okay, cool. So the Paris Commune was a brief but extremely radical revolution in the early in the spring of 1871. Basically, Paris got taken over by a bunch of working class and socialists type folks, and they attempted to create this egalitarian government as far as they could within the uh, bounds of Paris. Uh, meanwhile, the government of, Par of France had retreated to the ancient uh, royal uh, estate of Versailles. And the odd thing is, is this is a Republican government that's doing all this because of reasons that I'll get into in, in when we do the <laughs> historical stuff. But they assembled an army. And in the last week of May 1871, the army invaded Paris and a large number of people died. We don't know how many. The Spoiler I, alert. Yeah, sorry. It's, uh, it is a tragic game, but it is also a game of resistance. So resistance is good. Um, but we think between 10 and 30,000 people is probably the acceptable number for how many people died. That's uh, a lot of people. It is a that lot, is of, a lot people. of people. In fact, I have seen pictures of the sections of Paris that were shelled or burned during the last week of May, and uh, they look like Belgian towns in World War One. Uh, they're just—it's mm. just completely devastated. Mm. About another forty thousand people were captured and sent to prison camps, and a lot of them were deported. Uh, some were also executed, and uh, 
somewhere just sent to hard labor. And uh, yeah, that's where that happened. This all happened. And uh, it's not that well known, but it all really did happen. And it was kind of terrible, but also kind of awesome because the commune uh, was so radical and so ahead of its time in a lot of ways. So that's the gist on this. And we're all going to get to play two characters in this game most of which are historical to the point of the name being correct, uh, but some are actually uh, are actual historical people, most prominently uh, Louise Michel, who was a phenomenal pain in the ass for a long time in France to just about everybody. So, May we'll we all be remembered as such. Yeah, she was great. <laughs> Maybe not in um, France, but... So uh, we'll do that, and the game uh, involves some cards to randomize the questions that we'll ask, which we're going to do in a moment, which allows us to kind of build more relationships into the game. There is a, There are characters who have relationships at the start of the game, but these are a little skeletal, so we're going to use these questions to flush all that out. Then uh, during the game, uh, we have some cards that are uh, there to draw inspiration from if you want to. You're never required to use them, but you do get to... Uh, Look at them, and they're all based on uh, historical events. Most of them I took from actual posters that were printed during the French Commune and liberally plastered around the city of Paris. So those exist. And uh, when we get to the third part of the game, the Bloody Week part of the game, uh, we'll have a different set of those, which are a lot more violent and morbid. And the other thing is that in the third act of the game, one of your characters must die. But we'll we'll get into how we're going to make that work when we get there. After that, there's an epilogue where your remaining character gets to make a terrible choice between cooperating with the government for a lower sentence, trying to run away in all the confusion, or remaining defiant and accepting the punishment of the government. And that, too, involves cards, because you know what? Sometimes you want to do the, you want to do a thing, but fate intervenes, and a lot of people didn't quite get out what they wanted from uh, whatever they chose at the end. So uh, it's a very happy game, and it's full of sunshine and rainbows. Um, Yay! <laughs> yeah. And I like to bring this together and traumatize people with my, you know, all my friends. I uh, know, but it's great. My brain is very inappropriately playing pink fluffy unicorn stents. <laughs> because uh, the least appropriate song. Yeah. Why don't we go around um, and just call out the names of the two characters, because we have already determined which two characters each of us are playing, and give that brief description before we jump into actually answering questions. That okay. sounds like a plan. Cool. Cool. Andy, why don't we start with you? Okay. I'm playing two characters. I guess everybody is, but... True facts. <laughs> <laughs> I am playing Amanda Mercier. Is that the French way, Mercier? That, that is, in fact, the French way. Nice. I took German and Greek, so obviously I'm great with the pronunciations of things. So Amanda is a prostitute, a 28-year-old woman. She arrived in Paris when she was a young girl, and she worked as a model for artists until she became pregnant with Camille. She is also the lover of Lodoiska. And I'm also playing Jean Guy, partially chosen because I knew how to pronounce his name who's a soldier. He's 33, works as a butcher's assistant, and is a corporal in the National Guard. He's married to Josephine. Cool. And uh, River, tell us about who you're playing. 
Right, so I am playing Luriska, as previously mentioned, is the, uh, the lover of Amanda. I am also playing uh, Luis, who is a gigantic pain in the ass to everyone, apparently, and also <laughs> totally awesome. Cool. Um, Kat, why don't you go next and I'll go last. Sure. I'm playing Tariq Tanuji. He is an Algerian cavalryman who fought with the French army against the Prussians and stayed on in Paris. And Dominique Rousseau, she is an Afro-Caribbean woman from Martinique originally who got her MD in the United States and now works as a physician and midwife. Awesome. And I am playing Josephine Marchez, who is a washerwoman, and she helps the National Guard units by fetching water and helping Dominique care for the wounded. So she's basically kind of assistant there. And she's the common law wife of Jean-Guy. And I am also playing Camille Mercier, who is a 12-year-old boy. He is the child of Amanda and a current student of Louise when she has the time to actually train him in things. So that's who we're playing today. This is This is fun, Senda. You and I are playing parent and child and uh, married people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's supposed to get all interwoven and, and whatnot. Yes. It's great. It's- yeah, very messy. That's like life. And like community organizing and revolutions and shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> messy. Okay, cool. So let's talk about safety because uh, this game definitely needs a safety discussion. I like to use the X card. I think we're all familiar here, which is why I'm going to tell you about it. The X card is our way that we can Make sure that we can have content in games that isn't disturbing by allowing us to stop content in games when it disturbs us. And we will stop and go back and fix whatever we can to get around that content. And you never need, you're never required to say anything about what, why you're excarding something. Just say you're excarding something. And since we're doing this on the radio, uh, you just say excard or, you know, make a gesture because we're not actually doing this on the radio. Or uh, type it to the chat room. (laughs) And the other thing I like to use is lines and veils. Lines are content that we will simply exclude completely from the game. Just doesn't come in. And veils are things that we can have in the game, but we do not want really to have any screen time. Does anyone have any lines and veils that we can start off with? I know I'm actually playing a child in this one, but this is a standard one for me, and and I am actually going to call it a veil, because I kind of know the direction that this game can go, and I I don't have a problem with it. I'm going to say, can we veil, like, actual child torture death stuff? We don't Mm -hmm. have to actually on-screen that. Violence against children. Got it. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. That's a better way of saying it. Yes. And as an uh, overall thing, I would like to veil any torture scenes. They really don't like those. And uh, obviously, sexy times. So I want to put a veil on those. <laughs> yes. Yes. Put a veil on that. <laughs> that doesn't need to be on screen. Yeah. <laughs> it can totally happen. The internet exists. Right. Yes. You, you can fill in those gaps on your yeah. own, folks. Probably better than we could because we don't know what you like. <laughs> Right. Right. Just fill it in with something that seems hot. <laughs> right. Use your imagination. But don't tell us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or at least ask first. Because consent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it's hard because I've never played this game before, but a big line for me is uh, sexual assault and rape. Mm-hmm. 
And again, I know that I haven't done research into this uh, particular historical event, but <laughs> my guess is that some of that happened. But uh, it doesn't have to happen in our game. That I yep. don't think I've played a game of this yet that didn't have that as a line. So we're, we're going to yeah. be good. Yeah. Also, if there are any pets, I would really like them to live. Any named pets. I didn't realize that was a thing for me until actually last uh, the last game we played when I had a tiger. And I was like, if somebody kills my tiger, like, I'm going to be I'm, very upset. I would, I would lose it. <laughs> I have put in uh, named pet plot immunity. So. Right. Yes. Oh, yes. So that's, we can that's we can at, at, at worst give them an ambiguous ending. Yes. Right. Ambiguous gotcha. is fine. I mean, y- the cat eating your dead face is fine. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> for me, we might want to draw a veil on that for River. <laughs> Sorry. No, which, which would be fair. Which would we'll be just, fair. We'll just, we'll just, you know, say it's happened. We don't have to go into a lot of details on that. No. Once again, it's one of those things that's yeah. better off filled off in somebody's mind or yeah. chucked yes. down a, a mine shaft, <laughs> never to be seen again. My, yeah. my cat is literally sitting on my desk in front of me, so uh, don't you give him any ideas. <laughs> anyway, all right, we were going to do questions now, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we should totally do questions now that we've kind of given ourselves some uh, boundaries. So the uh, questions uh, we've we've gotten assigned out to everybody uh, by picking cards. Ooh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, when uh, once again, when uh, a question says you, uh, you should answer for one of your characters. Questions may also ask you to name a character, or in fact, name a character, and you are allowed to answer for that character, or you can ask their player for their input, or both. But also, be like a cool and fruity human being, and you know, check in bef- <laughs> if you make a particularly strong declaration. Sure. All right. So, how do we want to do this? Who wants to go first? So we do the randomized questions first, and then the character questions second. Is that how we do it? Yeah, every character has a question. Uh, you don't have to bring those up or answer them now. They're, they exist oh. to kind of guide you during your play in case you need. So th- sometimes they come in strongly. Sometimes they are backgrounded. But you can uh, definitely keep them in mind. You can talk about them, too, if you want. I mean, some of them are pretty cool. So uh, looking at this, I have managed to somehow arrange the first four questions uh, since, I signed, since they're assigned to their character. They are, in fact, in order for one of us each to go. So I guess we should just start with you, Senda, since you have Camille. Absolutely. I would love to. Okay, so the question that I have is, what story do you tell people about your father? Why are you ashamed of the truth? Name another character who knows the truth about him. So I think that I tell people... So I tell people that uh, what, what would be a good, like... Not necessarily like a nobleman or something, but like a good, like solid middle class person who would have money and stuff like that would be different from the situation that I find myself Banker, in. Banker, lawyer. Uh, yeah. Ooh, so I or ta- imperial civil servant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I think I think what I'm what I tell people is that he's a he he was a banker. He was a banker, but he's dead. And that's why he's not here. Because the truth is that I don't actually know who he was, and he was just some guy who appeared, got my mom pregnant, and disappeared, right? And, like, I don't know if she knows who he is either. It's, I mean, I can narrow it down. Right. (laughs) 
Okay. So you can narrow it down. So you probably have an idea. Um, I mean, then uh, let's see. Someone else who knows the truth about him. I'm, I'm going to take a second to look at our beautiful relationship map here. And I think that, I think Lodoiska knows the truth about him. Oh. And I, I don't, there may be more truth to it than just that he disappeared, right? That I don't actually know. So feel free to know as much truth about him as you would like to know. <laughs> cool. Banker. Dead? Question mark? <laughs> Dead. I'll try to be pretty pithy with my uh, notes. <laughs> Lud- Ludi knows. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. So who's... Who has started a newspaper? How do they get money? And do I have to pick a, a player character for this, or could I pick one of the people who's got an NPC mummified? I think it's maybe better if we uh, stick to player characters for this. Okay. I want to say uh, Josephine has started it. Mm-hmm. And how did they get the money? Blackmail? <laughs> I was literally oh. about to say blackmail. <laughs> Okie dokie. That's two for blackmail. So that's good enough for me. Yes. <laughs> I mean, technically, you do need at least two for blackmail. So technically, yes. Yes. Uh, okay. Awesome. So uh, I guess next up would be Andy. What did you do that landed you in prison? And who did you meet there? What did I do that landed me in prison? What didn't I do? I actually don't know a whole lot about... 1800s Paris was prostitution illegal? Yes. Oh, okay. I mean, it was one of those, it's illegal, but it doesn't get cracked down all the time, but yes. It's illegal, but you don't usually get prosecuted unless something else happens, probably. Right. Pretty much, yeah. So I'm going to say I probably spurned some imperial officer or police guy and ended up in jail because of that. And I think there is when I met Dominique because I was pregnant in jail. Whoa. Mm. Which seems like (laughs) not great, regardless of the time period. Fantastic. Okay, that's next is me. What was your religious upbringing and what made you lose your faith? Well, Dominique is a member of the Communist International, so this would make a little sense for her. She was raised in a pretty religious family in uh, Martinique, so religious that when she was a young girl, she wanted to be a nun. But when she was in Catholic school and they didn't want to teach girls anything other than maybe how to read and how to sew, that just disabused her of any kind of belief that the church education or the church would be a career for her. And uh, since then, everything she has seen since uh, about the church, especially in France, where it is actually uh, paid for by the government because of Napoleon. (laughs) Um, This has continued to embitter her towards any kind of expression of faith. Okay, so Riv, I guess your question would be next. I really want to have it be something weird, like, well, like, Luisca being pregnant, (laughs) which I don't think has ever happened in one of your games so far, has it? No. <laughs> Actually, I don't know that for sure. Now I can't remember. Uh, let's see here. Who is the father? That's the more fun question, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is. The options are... Well, Tariq and John. My really only option then, I think, is Tariq, because I don't want to play 
both ends of that relationship. Like, <laughs> I don't want to make Andy play both sides of that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have seen that kind of occasionally turn up, and it can be interesting to watch people make a dual commentary on, on relationships, <laughs> but yeah, that works. And I want to say you don't know yet. That's fantastic. That plays very well into my question. Uh, name a character one of your characters is in love with and ask their player if they return their affections. Obviously, Tariq is in love with Lodoiska. Let's just <gasps> go with obvious answer is best. But I want to know, I guess we need to know, does Lodo return Tariq's affections? <laughs> Not recently. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Ouch. <laughs> I accept that. <laughs> those who couldn't, those of you listening at home, Cat uh, made the most wounded face. It was great. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I haven't given up hope. I live in hope. Uh, okay. Uh, next is Andy. This is for Jean, uh, who was a confidential police informant for the Imperial Police before the Commune, name a character who knows the secret, and ask their player why they haven't said anything about it. Ooh, who is a confidential police informant? That's a big thing. It was. There were a lot of people who were confidential police informants. Uh, you know, it's, it's one way to keep poor people down. Yeah. I am -hmm. not sure who makes sense here, quite honestly. I would love to hold that secret. As, um, as, uh, Louise. Louise? Yeah, that makes sense Louise? that Louise would know. Yeah. Is it Louise or Louise or which, which, which pronunciation is it, Kat? In, in French, it's Louise, Louise and in English, usually. So. Uh, would it make sense to be, uh, Josephine? That's probably why I know it. Yeah, Ooh. I was actually gonna say, is it possible that it's the thing that I used to blackmail whoever it is to get the money to start this newspaper? <laughs> yes. You were a police informant. So I think that it might be a secret that I know <laughs> if we do that, but that interferes, River, with what you were saying, so I'm happy to do it either way. <laughs> so I think Josephine was the police informant. Oh. And Luis knows. And that's how you got the dirt. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's how I got the dirt to blackmail yeah. somebody. It's a very Coen Brothers-esque way of trying to turn a leaf. Yes. <laughs> Look, if I just get this money once, then I won't have to do this anymore. <laughs> I mean, it, it, wait, it, it could be some person who is not known to be a police agent themselves. Like, like it could be just anonymous rich guy. That yes. right. This, that's who you blackmailed right. because if now people yeah. found out he was a police, he was running police informants. They'd be like, ah, oh, cool. We're gonna do bad things to you now. Right. Right. So the the question is, why hasn't Luis done anything about it or said anything about it? Because I really can't afford to destabilize the commune at this point. Having a turncoat in our midst is we're in scary enough times. I don't want to contribute to people's paranoia. That's fair. Okay. So uh last is uh you Sunda, right? Yep, so I have, what pressing debt have you been unable to pay, and who do you owe it to? And this question for me is as Josephine. I think that I, I think I actually owe a debt to Dominique. She was able to save 
Jean from just a, a, a sort of, what does Jean do again? Who is he? I'm Sorry. a butcher's assistant and a You're soldier. butcher's assistant. Uh, so there was there was a a butchering incident accident. There was there were there was a hand involved. It got really messy. We weren't sure if he was going to get to keep it. You know that kind of thing. Um, I think that Dominique healed him up so that he has functional use of his hand. But I ran and got her, and I have not been able to pay her for it. And so part of the reason that I basically function as her assistant is because I've been able, unable to actually just pay that debt back. Do you, uh, would you mind playing it with, uh, as, uh, Dominique has never asked you for the money, but you, oh, your yeah. own honor just oh, is killing oh, you. Oh, but I'm it. committed. Oh, yeah. oh yes. That's I mean, that was a huge thing. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine that she would ever ask me, but I, I have this horrible, like, need to pay in full and no money to do it with. So, yeah. Cool. <laughs> If that works for you. Oh, 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 yeah. No, no, that's perfect. I, I can't see okay. Dominique actually asking you. So oh, that's no. great. Yeah. All right. So we're just about ready to begin. Let me explain the uh, two different kinds of scenes that we're going to do. For the most part, the game is just going to involve us doing uh, some kind of you know, indie hippie story gamey stuff where we're just going to have a scene. So everybody uh, on your turn, you get to uh, call the scene. Please put one of your characters in there. I have to say that now because uh, I am a tremendous ham, but apparently some people aren't. But I do prefer that you put one of your characters in your own scene. Um, you can say when and where it's happening, and uh, you can say what other characters are in the scene with you. If it ever comes up where we would need both characters played by one player, just grab someone else to play him. And if there's any ever any question about what's going to happen in the uh, flow of the scene, the person whose turn it is has the final say. That's the main kind of scene, but before the first and third act of the game, we have a short montage for each character, and the way we do that is to go in two rounds where we do a short, you know, like, couple sentences, like, under five minutes description of our characters and what they're doing. And we do that in two rounds because that way, if somebody says something, you can build on it maybe later with one of your characters. We'll do that before the beginning of the game and uh, right before the bloody conclusion of the game. <laughs> so there. And there's one other thing I like to say about the scenes. You may have already noticed this game is a little politically charged. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I had I know. no idea. I know, I know. But the thing is, is that the politics are going to happen in this game. They have never not happened in any <laughs> time I have played this with people. So I think a, a lot of the time it's actually better to start your characters from uh, their emotional attachments, their current situations, and see how that's going to uh, lead into things rather than uh, just starting with the politics. Because, you know, I've done the research and I'm not 100% sure how to play a 19th century French socialist. So just, just relax, lean into the emotions of your characters, and uh, there's going to be plenty that will bring up the other stuff that's going on. Whew. All right. Cool. So I guess we're ready to uh, do our homework because everybody's going to get a short little reading right before the uh, beginning of each act we're gonna play as i said three acts and in the third act your character one of your characters will have to die uh but we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about that okay so i i'll start because the first reading is for the facilitator 
Cool. This game is about the Paris Commune, a working class revolution in 1871. We'll be playing characters that live in Montmartre, one of the most radical districts of Paris. For 72 days, the Commune was one of the most progressive governments in history. During its brief lifetime, it tried to create a state with workers' rights, free education, and the liberation of women as its foundations. The conservative government headquartered in Versailles invaded Paris at the end of May and crushed the Commune. Paris was the most important city in continental Europe. Under Emperor Napoleon III, nephew of the more famous Napoleon, the center of the city had been rebuilt with broad boulevards and chic restaurants and boutiques, the capital city of humanity. But in the poor neighborhoods on the outskirts, like Montmartre, unemployment was high and people lived in cramped, crowded conditions without running water or indoor plumbing. Conditions were ripe for another of the once-a-generation Parisian revolutions. In 1870, the emperor was lured into a war against Prussia and its German allies. The war was a disaster. The emperor and uh, most of the army were captured in September. The republic was proclaimed and tried to continue the war. The Prussians besieged Paris. The winter was cold and food ran out. The rich ate animals from the zoo. The poor dogs, cats, and rats as well. The only way to get mail in and out of the city was by balloon. Finally, the Republic surrendered to the Germans. Parisians felt betrayed. Despite the large number of troops in the National Guard, a militia that was often the only paying work during the siege, the government never supported them for an attack against the Prussians. When the national elections returned to Parliament with a monarchist majority, Paris felt sure that the Republic would fall, and any hope they had for a more equal society would be destroyed. Several insurrections broke out. The battle for the soul of the French Republic was about to begin. The government, now led by Adolphe Thiers, agreed to pay 5 billion francs in reparations. And the Dang! Yeah, wow. And the Germans remained dug in east of Paris. The National Guard's cannons at Montmartre had been bought by its inhabitants, not the government, but Thiers ordered their seizure to prevent insurrection. Before the dawn on March 18th, uh, 1871, soldiers of the French army came to take the guns but were confronted by a crowd of Montmartre's women. The commander ordered his soldiers to shoot the women, but instead they <laughs> arrested and executed him. Good on you. The <laughs> National Guard took over Paris and ordered elections for a new government for Paris and France. The Commune. Thank you all so, so much. I'm afraid we'll have more homework to do later, but you know, <laughs> that will be good. So cool. Uh, what I'd like us all to do is to, in these two rounds, narrate a brief scene about, about, about your characters on the day of March 18th, 1871. This can be from before, during, or after the attempt to seize the National Guard's cannons. It should be very short, no more than a couple minutes. And your narration should help give us a sense of who your character is and what they do. The characters in this game are all in the working classes of Paris, people whose daily lives have often been erased in history. Show us what they do, who they love, how they react to the news of the sudden revolution. Do they accept the execution of the general? Does anyone speak in his defense? Does anyone oppose the creation of the commune? This is important. Characters cannot die yet. There's a funny story about that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, once we've all done a quick montage thing, uh, we will move on to the first act. And I guess since I got the big mouth, I'll just start. Okay. Yes, please. Awesome. Cool. 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 So we see Tariq. He's sitting up on top of the 
He's on well. He's on the Butte of Montmartre, the uh, the big mountain, the big kind of hill in the center of the re- of the uh, district. And all around, it's a muddy field where the cannons that the army came to get have been uh, left there, and the mud the ground's been trodden up by all the different people who've moved there. And he's uh, just leaning against one of the cannons, kind of looking down at all the hubbub below him, and just has a pensive look on his face, like, you know, clearly wondering just what ha- what happens now um why don't we go back to uh senda yeah sure so i actually think josephine if we if we rewind just a hair to a little bit before that she is wearing very plain but very clean and neatly mended skirts right with an apron over and she is in a throng of women who are confronting the french army as they come to take the cannons and they are, you know, yelling, you know, we paid for these cannons. You can't have them. You can't take them. And she's basically like mixed and pushed into this giant group of women, basically all the people from her neighborhood and all the neighborhoods around there. And then, you know, there's just a moment where the uh, commanding officer like draws his sword, points at the women and like gives that command. And then the men sort of stare at the guns for a second, look at each other, and then turn and look at him instead, and we'll cut away there. I have a great follow-up to that one, actually. Yes. <laughs> um, because uh, Lariska is a known member of the Guard and everything like that, she didn't want to be seen with, you know, as a soldier with these women standing up against the army. So she ducked into a nearby building and had her rifle trained on the general, waiting, waiting. She sees him draw his sword and command in her hand. Her finger moves from a safe position onto the trigger, and then she sees the soldiers starting to get second thoughts, and they turn, and she packs up her rifle and goes down back down the stairs. Yes! <laughs> So I, I I think Amanda Amanda wanted to go out with the women who were confronting the army, but I think we see her in I'm imagining these kind of tall buildings and and cramped conditions. And we kind of see her seeing women, you know, joining this other group of women, not sure what's going on, but then she she turns around. Camille is maybe pulling on her skirts or something, and she, oh no, wait, he's twelve, right? Sorry, I yeah. was thinking he was much younger than that. She just turns and looks looks at Camille and kind of kind of sighs. She she doesn't she don't she doesn't want to risk, you know, she's the only one Camille has, so she doesn't want to risk getting killed. It's really interesting that changes what I do for Camille. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the fun. Good, I, I know mean, you you can run away. That's fine. Yeah, I still might. Ooh. I'm 12. I'm a big boy now. <laughs> well, remember, there was no adolescence. You were either a child or an adult. Mm-hmm. And 12 is one of those iffy ages where it could go either way. I mean, obviously, I think I'm an adult. Anyway, cat. Yeah. It's yeah. all you. It's <laughs> all Start me. at the top again. <laughs> if you died from a disease, you're a child. If you're headed a rifle and died in war, you're a man. This is very simple. <laughs> yeah, it's very straightforward. And Lee decided posthumously. So that's the criteria. Got it. Um, <laughs> cool. So I think we see uh, 
Dominique is sitting in a in a tavern. It's the evening of that day, and she has got a couple bottles of wine open and is passing them around to everybody around her and is just beaming. But there's some moment where, you know, the camera cuts in on her and she kind of just leans against the pillar, obviously exhausted. But then somebody hands her back the bottle and she's immediately joyful again. (laughs) I think uh, uh, more about this time, like... It's a little bit later in the day. Um, we get a shot of Camille closing the door carefully behind him so as not to disturb his mother, who is hmm, inside a room doing something. Um, <laughs> well, um, as you tend to. Like you do, making money. And he basically is, is sneaking out and he tightens the belt around his pants a little bit and like puffs up his little chest and he like goes walking out into the street and he's basically like scurrying around. We get just a couple of snapshots of him, like, basically drifting through people's conversations with his eyes all big, kind of picking up what's going on and what's been happening. And, like, this joyous... There's some some amount of joy, right? And there's probably some raucous people in the streets. Very drunk, right? He oh, might yeah. pick up a bottle yeah, of wine, too, because he's 12, and there's no one watching him, and... It's, it's Paris. It's Paris, and, yeah. <laughs> it's a long time ago. Everybody drinks wine in Paris, right? Yeah. Yeah. That or coffee. <laughs> I mean, when you can, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's actually a really interesting thing about when coffee came into continental Europe and how it might have sparked the Renaissance. The, the Renaissance, because people went from being drunk all the time to being like caffeinated. <laughs> and that's really why alcohol and downers are more heavily regulated than uppers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> B- because because of the renaissance. No, because productivity, <laughs> damn it. Productivity. I think one of the groups of people that Camille sort of drifts through includes Jean. I think that the butcher's shop is is closed and he's in his, you know, working clothes, but he has stopped on the way home and gathered with another group of people and they are are talking quietly exchanging some information. I think he has a very worried look on his face. So, Luis, she arrived a little later to the woman, and she, I envisioned her as looking a little older than her years, definitely showing signs of age around her eyes that are a little, little much for her age, and she occasionally has to walk with a cane. She always tells people to not ask about it when, you know, if they ask what's with that. Today she is not walking with it and hustling to get to the front. She gets there after the, after the soldiers stand down and she, she asks some person what had happened and why the soldiers had stopped and they say, and she cries out for the general's execution. We hope you enjoyed episode 110 of She's a Super Geek. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating and review on any podcatcher's site. 
You can catch Red Carnations on a Black Grave on Kickstarter starting June 18th. Our theme song is Rock and Roll Play Baby by Kieran Strange. Find more music, tour dates, and merch online, kieranstrange.com, or on Twitter at Kieran Strange. If you liked She's a Super Geek, you'll love other shows on the Misdirected Mark Network. Shows like Panda's Talking Games. Except that show doesn't actually exist, so I don't have a blurb for it. But supposedly, Senda's on it. Except she's not, because this is the only podcast Senda is on. Thank you all very much, and we'll see you in two weeks for our next adventure. She's a rock.